Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel, a channel focused on helping you establish a biblical philosophy of life that will empower you to reach your full God-given potential. For more information about our church, visit elevate.life. Enjoy this episode. Just want to say how much we've missed you guys, but we've been with you, like Pastor Sheila said, every week, and just great to see your faces. Y'all the most beautiful people in the world, best people in the world, best family in the world. Anyway, it's great to be back. Thank you for being here today. It's going to be an awesome day, and uh, we're going to be talking about the promises of God, y'all. That's what we're going to be talking about. So anyway, so yeah, go ahead. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Um, put your hand over your heart. Let's make some declarations. And, um, and I just want to tell you, the reason we do this is because I believe, based on the Word of God, that your life follows your mouth. And it's very important what comes out of our mouth. So we train ourselves in this to declare what God says. So say this with me. I declare that I'm created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. Put an amen on that, because you're blessed to do that. I declare that 2022 is my year of promise for me, my family, my finances, and my future. I declare that according to 2 Corinthians 1.20, that all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen. Come on, y'all. Yes and amen. Today, I open up my mind to receive the promises of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up our hands, say this with me. Come Holy Spirit, say it again, come on. Come Holy Spirit, say it again. Come Holy Spirit, help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Come on, y'all. Don't be seated just yet. Don't be seated, don't be seated. Stay standing for a minute. Y'all are, gonna, y'all are gonna be sitting for about three hours because I haven't preached in a while. So, uh, so uh, just stay with me for a second. Um, today's 9-11. We'll never forget. I'll never forget. And I think sometimes, let me just tell, say a couple of things about this. I think it's one thing not to forget, but it's another thing to learn the lessons. And I don't think America's learned its lesson. And, uh, but I think we're gonna learn the lesson. And what happened was not just that outside evil came into our country, but since then, we've got a lot of inside evil going on. And uh, so uh, I believe God has raised up a remnant and we're a part of that remnant. That as long as, as, as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest and God will always have a people who will stand for him and stand for righteousness. And, uh, but let me tell you my, my favorite story that came out of 9-11 was on flight 93. Um, in fact, on 9-11, I was in Jacksonville, Florida speaking at an event. Um, President George Bush was there. Um, there were other people that in the middle of that event, 16,000 people, I was speaking you know, with a lot of other uh, dignitaries that were there. But literally back in the green room, uh, we watched as the plane, uh, the second plane hit the tower. And, um, and 
I walked out. No, nobody in the arena knew what was going on. I walked out and I made the announcement uh, of what happened that day and what was happening in America. Of course, nobody knew what was going on. Uh, by, by the end of that day, which we had scheduled to go to about three o'clock, we had probably about 100 people in the room because, and you could literally hear phones going off. Um, and uh, so it was just really crazy. But, but after it was all said and done, um, Flight 93 was uh, taken over by Muslim uh, Islam radicals and their intent was to crash that plane into the White House. And uh, there was a group of men on that plane who were true warriors. And out of all the planes and all the things that happened that day, uh, there was a group of men on that plane that said, this isn't gonna happen on our watch. And uh, so some of you may remember there was a recorded phone call and one of those men called 911 and said, here's what's happening and we're not gonna let it happen. It will not hit the White House, um, but would you pray with me? And over the phone, they prayed this and I'd like us to pray this together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses, even as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. On that phone call, the last thing that the operator heard was that man said, let's roll. And I think about our warrior weekend this weekend. And I think about how God has put in my heart to raise up a group of men who in the midst of evil or in the midst of good, it doesn't matter, but that they know that they have a warrior DNA on the inside of them and evil will not happen under our watch in our country or outside our country. So today I'm moved, I'm moved in my heart because I, I, I have a dream and my dream is there, there would be men who truly would be warriors for God mighty men for God in the earth that would rule and reign. And that when any time evil is happening around you, I told Sheila, I called her that day and I said, baby, I just want you to know, I couldn't get on a plane that day, by the way. I had to drive, I got the last rental car. I wanna say thank you to Enterprise Rental Car because they, they made a car happen for me. It was the last one in Jacksonville and I drove all the way back. But I told Sheila, I said, I just want you to know, because I, I flew a lot then and I fly a lot now. If I'm ever on a plane and some guy starts talking about Allah and what he's gonna do, that guy's gonna die before anybody else dies and I'll make sure I'm the one that kills him. And so I told her that, I said, I just want you to know, I said, just know, just know that if I'm ever on a plane and that happens, I ain't gonna sit there and let somebody shout to Allah or whoever else their false God is. I'm gonna stand up and say, guess what? You have never met your daddy, I'm here today. And uh, today's the day you're gonna meet Allah and his name's the devil. That's what his name is. But anyway, so I just wanted to say that to y'all. I'll put my pastor hat back on in a minute, but I am a warrior and I'm glad, I'm proud that we are a family of warriors in this house, amen.
my hero was Abraham Lincoln. And uh, I read every, every biography that I could read um, when I was growing up. And one of my favorite stories about Abraham Lincoln is um, uh, actually in the seventh grade, I played Abraham Lincoln in a school play. And that's how, that's how important it was to me, man. I was like, I'm going to be Abraham Lincoln. But he was six foot four. He could wrestle any man to the floor. Anyway, I had this whole poem I did. And one time some guy was beating a horse. And Abraham Lincoln walked up, grabbed the whip from the guy and started beating the guy. And he said, how, do you, how does that feel? He goes, well, I don't like it. He goes, neither does that horse. Quit beating that horse. That's the kind of men that are needed in our world today who will take a stand against injustice. So welcome to Elevate Life, everybody. Also, also, hey, we got, we got some warrior women in this house too. I'm grateful for the warrior women. Amen. So, uh, so let's see, we made our declarations. I said that, now I wanna pray for our country. Let's pray for our country, can we do that? Um, by the way, right now, we are live uh, starting today, 9-11, on channel eight, uh, Elevate Life Church, from 11.30 to 12. And uh, so I said live, we're not, we're not live like right this second, but it's, it's on TV right now. So we've launched our television show again, and it will be every Sunday morning on 11.30 on channel eight, and these other channels behind me, you can see this. But I felt like, let me just say something real quick. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand for that. Let me, let me just say this that, uh, well, let's pray for our country and then I'll tell you something else, okay? I, I know some of y'all are tired of standing up. Your legs are tired and y'all wanna sit down, so I'll let, you, I'll let you do that in a minute. But hey, uh, let's just either join somebody's hand, put your hand on somebody's shoulder. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, God says, I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. God, today we come before you. And God, first of all, on behalf of the United States of America, that's so divided, more divided than we've ever been, we repent. We repent as a part of this nation for what's been allowed, for what's happening even in the highest places of leadership in our country right now. We ask for divine intervention we ask God that, that evil would be overtaken. God, we pray for America on this day where, where we were reminded about what evil looks like. The greatest enemy is the evil within. And so Lord, today we lift up our country, we lift up our leaders and we lift up the leaders that will be in November in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that, that righteousness, as long as we're alive, God's always looking for a remnant. And as we are the righteousness of God, I thank you that righteousness will overtake unrighteousness and God will overtake evil. And as long as there is a remnant and as long as there's at least two of us that come into agreement, touching anything on earth, my Father in heaven will do it. So God, I thank you that the greatest days of America are ahead of us. And Father, we just thank you that you love us, that your hand is on us. And I pray that your hand would be on America. God bless America. God bless America. 
the land of the free. Come on, y'all. The home of the brave. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, y'all. Come on. Woo! All right, you may be seated. Um, so welcome, uh, Nelsa, Louisville, Brandy, uh, watching on a plane in Atlanta. Pedro, New Jersey, watch parties are happening across America. But let me just explain something real quick to you before I get into the word. Um, so when I was a little boy, uh, nine years old, um, I was at the altar and my mother was on one side, and my mama was on the other side. And we, we went out, I, I, we, it wasn't that that was the culture in our church, but I felt compelled as a, as a child to go forward almost in every service. I would just go and I'd pray. Back in those days, we had altars in the front of the church. Y'all will remember that. And uh, talking to my friends right here on the front row. Um, and I would just, I'd tell my, my mama and my mom, hey, I want to just go down there and pray. And I would go and I would pray. And at the end of the service, and I'm talking about just sometimes weep before the Lord. I knew God was drawing me close to him. I didn't understand all that. I didn't come from any kind of ministry background. And I remember at nine years of age, distinctly feeling like that God like put his hand on my life to do what I'm doing today. That I was going to tell people for the rest of my life about Jesus, about the good news of Christ, about his love, his acceptance, his forgiveness. And, uh, and so I remember that day, the pastor came by and said, wow, he's really, he's really crying today. And he put his hand on me and, and uh, God must be doing something. And my mama said, oh, he is. Oh, the Holy Spirit's on him. And yes. And so I remember after the pastor prayed for me, I turned to my parent or my mama and my mother. And I said, I just feel like I'm supposed to like be some kind of missionary to the world. I said, I don't know what that means because I didn't come from any kind of ministry background. I didn't even know what it was to be a, like to be a pastor or anything else. So in this journey, by the time I was 15, I met this precious one, Pastor Precious, on the front row, and we started our journey. Y'all know our story. I told her first and foremost, I said, I'd like you to be my girlfriend, but remember everything before but doesn't matter. I said, but I've got a philosophy about how relationships work, and that started with God with me. If she had said, I'm really not about that, then we wouldn't be sitting here today because that's always been my, that's always been my heart before the Lord is to do what God wants me to do. So when I went to college, uh, I went to college on a basketball scholarship, and I had 256 offers from around the country, so, so some many famous schools that you would know of. But there was a small Christian school in Springfield, Missouri, that because it was a Christian school, that I decided that I was going to go to that school. And, and now I had a decision to make. What was I going to major in? Like, I feel like God was going to use me uh, in, in ministry, but I had no frame of reference of ministry. So I, I, knew, I knew I was going to do business, and I've always done business, kingdom business for God. So I majored in business initially, but about midway through my freshman year, um, I really felt in my heart that God gave me a word that he was going to use me somehow on television. Now, here's, here's what I want to say to you. Um, at that time in 1978, there was no Christian television. There was no Daystar. There was no TBN. TBN was in California. I think they had one station at that time. Um, in, so, so it wasn't like I'd seen Christian television. I wanted to preach on TV. That wasn't the issue. I felt like I had a word from God that somehow God was going to use me through, through television. Uh, to, to proclaim his word. And I didn't know how in the world that would happen. But anyway, so I shifted my major to communications, broadcast journalism, to learn about cameras, to learn about, you know, um, technical directing, to learn all things that were, that involved uh, television production. 
And so simultaneously getting a Bible major and a concentration in psychology, I felt like God was going to use me in those, in those ways. Well, uh, it wasn't until uh, my 50s that we first went on here at Elevate Life Church. I waited, 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 waited. Again, no, no unholy ambition. I want you to really hear my heart on this. Like, I want to be on TV. No, I've got a word from the Lord about this. And so, uh, so we did a show originally on Daystar, and I thought, you know what? I'm, 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 like, I'm, I'm just not a Christian TV guy. And I, I say that with all due respect. I honor Christian television and all that. But Christians watch Christian TV. That's just the truth. And uh, I said, if, I'm, if I feel like God's going to use me, it's going to be on other channels that people are kind of shocked that somebody like me would be on. And so, so we went on Fox, and uh, it was very successful. It was the number one watch show in Dallas on Sundays. And it was pretty crazy, but that, that's what happened. And then I switched gears, and the gears that I switched was I felt like, well, maybe we should do multi-site, and maybe we should have a... A, a campus in McKinney, maybe a campus in Salina. And I, I'm, I'm still not just in, in my heart of hearts uh, sure that we're not supposed to do some of that. I'm open to that. But, uh, but I, feel, I felt like we were reaching so many thousands, tens of thousands of people through television in Dallas that we decided to, to do it again. And I told our team uh, this last year, I said, now's the time for us to do it. So today, in fact, it's just about to end as I'm giving an invitation on Channel 8, ABC right now, from 11.30 to 12 every Sunday, we're going to be on the most watched station in Dallas during that time. And so I'm very excited about that. And so um, we're going to, that's going to be a part of our missions outreach to reach more people for Christ. But I just wanted to explain that to you. I wanted you to understand that. We're not doing it just to be on television. I've had this word in my heart for a long time, really since I was a little boy. So it's, it's going to be very exciting, and I'm very excited about it. So thank you for being a part of that. And there might be somebody here that wants to just pay for all that. So I'd, that'd be great if we could have you do that too, because it's very, it's very expensive. But it's an investment into our area. Amen? So, uh, so thank you for that. All right, the promise-driven life. I want to talk about the theology of promise for just a minute. Theology is Godology. What does God say about his promises? And this is a leadershipology that I wrote uh, on December 31st, 2021, when I was releasing this word on promises for 2022. The promises of God are proof of the plans he has to bless and prosper you. The promises of God are proof of the plans that he has to bless and promise you, uh, uh, prosper you. So I've just got some good news for you. God wants to bless you. He wants to prosper your life. Come on, y'all. He wants to, so we're, gonna, so we're gonna learn more about his promises, okay, in the next few minutes and over the next several weeks. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know this, but this involves a promise from God. For I know the plans I have for you. God says, I got, I got some plans for y'all. Y'all don't even know, y'all don't even know the scope of it, the, the depth of it, the width of it, the height of it. You don't know, but I've got some plans for you and, and, and it's, it's plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So uh, I want to just tell you first and foremost that, um, that this concept of a promise-driven life is something that I go all the way back, 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 back to uh, when we first started our church. When we first started our church, 
uh, one of the influences in my life and, and one of the greatest pastors that the world has ever had, just retired from his church, Rick Warren, um, served faithfully for 43 years. Uh, I text Pastor Rick this morning. Uh, I've texted him for years, every weekend. And, uh, and so in fact, let me just tell you a Rick Warren story. Um, one, of, one, of, one of our new, um, I'll, I'll tell you two Rick Warren stories that are related. One of them is Rick directly, but the second one uh, involves somebody who, who came to our church. In fact, uh, Jared, come on up here just, so, just real quick. And somebody, somebody give me a mic if you would. But uh, this is Jared, in case you haven't met Jared. And uh, good to see you, buddy. So, uh, so was it right after the, right after the pandemic, scamdemic, uh, that, that you reached out to our church? Was it, or was it during that time? Well, I was wrestling with God during it. Okay. So it was kind of more towards the end. Um, I, me and my family started uh, looking for a place. Yeah. So, um, so you, you were at Saddleback on yeah. staff for how many years? Uh, 18. 18 years. Yeah. And so, of course, I didn't know this. And, uh, and you, you saw that we had some positions that were open. And what was the position you applied for? Uh, I actually uh, applied for the facilities position. So, uh, yeah. so, so, in other words, he saw that we had a maintenance position yep. that that was open. Now, he'd been a pastor for 18 years, but saw that we had this. And what was your thought process behind that? Uh, thought process was, um, one of them, I got to get out of California, yeah. to be honest. Thank uh, you. Yes. But, you know, uh, the other thing was, after looking at various churches in the area, was what this church culture was. Yeah. It was all about who you guys represented and what you were yeah. Discipleship, leadership, culture, yeah. uh, elephant in the room. You yeah. went through that. Yeah, that was a big, big decision for that us. That big old elephant. Yeah, like, we we got to go to that place. Yep, addressing the elephant. It was really important for for our family. And yeah. like, hey, they spell it out. This is what we know. Yeah, you are who you are. Tran transformational leadership, uh, invisible leadership, if you yeah. will. Yeah, you guys are. So that's one of the things. And I was like, I just got to get here. I yeah. just got to go. Whatever it is. Yeah. Facilities, great. Um, that's actually where I started at Saddleback. So I was like, I, I'll just do it all over again. I'll, I'll just, just start come all here. Over again. Start all over start again all over just again. to be here. Yeah. yeah. And so he moved here and we said, well, we appreciate you applying for the facilities position, but we think there might be a little more that God has for you. And we're so excited to have you. I'm I just excited. wanted to yes. tell you that. So excited Thank to have you. your family. Welcome home. Yes. Welcome to the best of the rest of your life. Yes. But anyway, thank you so much. Thank you. And I just wanted y'all to, I just wanted y'all to meet him. So anyway, so excuse, excuse me, I didn't feel like walking up the stairs. But uh, at 62, Josh, hey, you want to jump, son? Oh, and I, I, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm, I'm messing with my own son. You got it. Anyway, so, so that was my first record story because we, because we, because we didn't, we didn't know that. And when I found that out, I went, that guy's going to be a great asset for us because I know the DNA of Saddleback Church. And so, uh, so Rick Warren and I were speaking at a conference together. And, um, and so uh, before we went out, I said, I'd like to ask you to pray over me if you would. And he said, okay. And I said, I would like to have a double portion of what you have. And I said, you know, 
Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion. And I said, what you've accomplished, nobody else has ever accomplished in the kingdom. In fact, those of you that don't know, he wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life that is second only to the Bible in the history of the world with book sales. A last count that I knew of, 25 million sold. Um, and so I said, would you mind praying over me? And I'd, I'd like to ask for a double portion. And so he put his arm around me. I've got a picture of this. I wish I could show it to you today. But he put his arm around me and he said, first of all, I want you to know something, Keith Craft. Nobody's asked me to pray this prayer over them. He said, second thing I want to tell you is, I asked Yonggi Cho to pray this prayer over me. And he said, and you're the only person that's ever asked me. He said, so I'm believing God's going to do it for you. And so he laid hands on me and he prayed over me, Jared. And, uh, and uh, so anyway, later on in the conference, by the way, he was bragging, humble bragging about wearing a Timex watch. And, you know, he made all this money. We didn't take any salary from the church. So I said, well, I just want you to know I wear a Rolex and, uh, and I'm very, I, and I'm happy to wear a Rolex. I like Timex, but I'm a Rolex man. He goes, well, God bless you. I think that's awesome. But anyway, it was like, I, you know, I wear a Timex and I buy my clothes from Walmart. And I said, not me. I wear a Rolex and I drive whatever I want to drive. And I do. What'd you say? Oh, I do buy some clothes from Walmart and Target when I'm with Sheila. I go, hey, oh, 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 is that where we're going? Okay, well, I'll go over there and look for something. So what I bought, what I buy in Target this week? I bought some shorts. You know why I bought shorts? Because I could find some short shorts. Everybody doesn't have it. Everybody doesn't have any short shorts right now, y'all. I got me some seven-inch shorts. In fact, I'm gonna get on a plane today wearing my seven-inch shorts from Target. <laughs> anyway. Funny. Okay, now shall we get to the word of the Lord? Uh, but, but, but I just wanted y'all to know that I take that very seriously, and I believe in the name of Jesus that 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 mantle now that he is now that he is retired, that that mantle has been passed on. So y'all get ready, get set. You're gonna have to fight for a seat in our church in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's go. Let's let's reach some people for God. Let's reach some people for God. Okay, so promise. So the, the, so the catalyst for this promise-driven life, the point is, is that when we started our church, I used Rick's book, The Purpose-Driven Life and The Purpose-Driven Church. And I began to teach about uh, purpose. Now, here's what a lot of people don't realize. Your purpose is your why. The why of who you are. And one of the reasons that I coach and do what we do through masterminds is because we take people through this process of their vision, their mission, and their purpose, and really helping to clarify that. So again, this would be a good time if you like notes, and if you like to take notes, just take a few notes on this, because I'm going to just touch on this for a second. It's not in the notes. By the way, you can get our notes on this on our app. Is that, is that the way they get it, Josh? Just go to our app, Elevate Life app for today. But let's just draw a triangle for a minute, and you've got vision, mission, purpose. So this started with me in 1999. And as I, as I begin to, to read and get fodder in my own spirit for establishing a church and building a church, like I wanted to go to the source of the man that's built one of the greatest churches in the history of the world, Rick Warren. So I, I devoured his stuff, but yet it wasn't his stuff that we did here. His stuff was fodder that we did here. 
And so part of the fodder that happened was, is that, that, that I believe God wants you to be promise driven. I believe he wants you to know what his promises are so that you can align your life with the promises of God. So I want you to watch this now. So if I was to have a triangle in front of you, just picture this vision, mission, purpose. So the vision, this is for everybody now, the vision that you have for your life is very unique to you. The vision that you have for yourself, the vision that you have for your marriage, the vision that you have for your business or any business that you'll ever do. The vision that you have is very unique to you. And it doesn't have to be like anybody else. You can be inspired by other people, just like I was by Rick and still am by Rick. You can be inspired by those people, but your vision is the picture that you see of your future. It's the kind of marriage you believe you can have. It's the kind of business you believe you can have. It's the kind of finances you believe you can have. It's the kind of life you believe you can have. It's the kind of wife, husband, you believe you can have the kind of person that you see yourself in the future. You see, a lot of times, the problem that a lot of people have with the future, they look at the future, but they don't, they, they're looking at the future through their current self. They're not looking in, at the future and seeing their future self. And so a lot of times the future and the vision that they have for their life, it doesn't come to pass because they're seeing it from their current self and they can't even imagine how it could ever happen. So again, I don't have time to go into that, but the point is, that's part of why I coach and why I do what I do is to help people through those processes. To say, okay, what is, what is the vision? What is, what is the picture that you see? So when we started this church, it was to establish, like why would I start a church? To establish a love-based leadership culture where people of all ages, ethnicities, from all walks of life could be developed to become Christ followers and deployed into leadership in all walks of life. So we didn't start just to, to, we didn't start as a church with a vision just to reach the lost. Of course, that's a part of our vision. But we started as we wanted to establish a leadership culture. We wanted to establish a culture where people could come in and learn how to lead themselves better and learn how to lead everything that concerned them better, lead their life towards the future that they see for themselves. Everybody say vision. Then the next part of that triad or triangle is mission. So again, this was all inspired by Rick's purpose-driven life. He was talking about the purpose of the church. And in my thought process, it was like, well, before you get to purpose, you've got to have a vision. You've got to have a mission. It's mission. It's got to be very clear so that you can ultimately accomplish your purpose. So at the top of the triangle is purpose. So, so if I think vision, think be do, if I think vision, and then if I'll, I'll be missional, I'll understand, okay, this is part of who I am is to establish this church called Elevate Life Church. And the mission of this church is to love people into lifelong transformation. Now, I don't have time to go into all this, but I'll simply say this. We wanted to have a love-based leadership culture, love-based. To help people understand what love is, that love casts out all sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. Sorry, love covers a multitude of sin. It casts out all fear. So true love, watch this, should cause you to deal with your insecurity. True love should cause you to deal with your immaturity. True love should cause you to deal with your timidity. True love should, should, should cause you, when you understand that you're in a place that, that we're gonna love you into lifelong transformation, it should help you establish your identity and be very secure in your identity and who you are in Christ as a male or a female. Now, ultimately purpose. Purpose is, and our purpose at this church 
is loving, learning, and leading. The reason we started 22 years ago, everybody say this with me, loving, learning, and leading. That is the why of Elevate Life Church. Why? Because we want you to learn to love God and, and for you to learn that God loves you. A lot of people don't even know they're loved by God. They don't know how much God loves them. They can't imagine or fathom that, that anybody necessarily loves them because maybe they weren't loved well. And, I, and I'll simply say this to you. And again, we talk about family of origin. We talk about family of choice. This is not a knock against my family of origin, but in my family of origin, I was not necessarily loved well. And many of you maybe have that same story. In fact, if you were loved well in the family that you were born into, you should be like winning in every area of your life. Because a lot of people struggle with, they, they weren't loved well. They weren't loved well. And so in this culture, in this leadership culture, we, it's, it's the why, the purpose is loving, learning, and leading. It's like, okay, God helped me very early to say, okay, even though I don't feel like I'm being loved well, he helped me to learn to love well. And then to build a family where I loved well. I wanted to make Sheila the happiest woman in the world. I wanted my kids to feel unconditional love for me. And by the way, when you love well, it doesn't mean you condone everything. It doesn't mean you tolerate everything. So the church world right now sees culture. A lot of the church world sees culture and they go, well, we just need to love everybody. Yeah, of course we need to love everybody. But that doesn't mean tolerate and condone their, their, their lifestyle. You understand what I'm saying? So we love everybody, but we confront sin. We confront evil. We don't call evil good. We don't say it's okay. We don't say it's a choice. We don't say it's a preference. If God made you a man, you can decide to change it if you want to. If God made you a woman, you can decide to change it if you want to. But I'm just here to tell you, men don't have babies. I don't care what the administration or anybody else says. Men don't have babies. When, when, when people can't even identify what is a woman, well, I mean, you know, I'm, it's not really mine to say. Yeah, it is yours to say. Are you crazy? Yes, you're crazy. There's a spirit of crazy, but that's what happens in a world that's being shaped not by the word of God, but by man. Y'all get that, right? So in this church, we wanted people to learn to love God and learn that they're loved by God. Secondly, we wanted them to, to love themselves. If you, if you weren't loved well, how can you love yourself well? A lot of people struggle with insecurity and fear because they truly just weren't loved well. So they're insecure, they're fearful. They think, can anybody really love me for me? And if I were to deep, do a deep dive emotionally into every person's heart right here, you're one of your greatest, I'm talking about greatest needs right up there with food and water is to feel like somebody knows you and loves you for you. It's like deep in us. So many of us are afraid to let who we are be known because we've felt the rejection of not being loved well. In this house, I'm the father of this house. And here's what I can tell you. I want you to be loved well. I want you to feel love from God. I want you to be able to love yourself well. Why? Because you need to love others well. So that's why we established this church, love, loving, then learning. I wanted this to be a place, our purpose is learning. We wanted this to be an environment where, where, where it's about personal growth and development. It's about you achieving your full God-given potential. Our mastery goal, Josh, in our church that we just identified this last year after 22 years is? Why don't you get the microphone and tell them that? 
This is, this is our mastery goal. This is what we feel like we now have some mastery in to help every individual who chooses to be a part of our family. Yeah, we want to help people establish a biblical philosophy of life that empowers them to reach their full God-given potential. A biblical philosophy of life. In other words, let's, let's, let's have a philosophy of life. Let's, like, what is your philosophy on marriage? What is your philosophy on money? What's your philosophy on business? This is the ultimate success manual. So to help people establish a biblical philosophy, a biblical worldview, a philosophy of life with a biblical worldview so that you have a chance to reach your full God-given potential. Can I tell you that every person here has untapped potential and you need help to reach it. You need to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself to give, your, give you a bigger vision, to, to, to help you understand your mission and what you're supposed to do in your life. And then ultimately to be on purpose. So learning and then leading, man, my heart and my passion is to help people lead themselves so well that they're qualified to lead another person. And then they're qualified to lead a team. And then they're qualified to lead an organization if they choose to. And they're qualified to leave a legacy for the glory of God that involves leading, leading. So, so that's the basis for this message the promise-driven life. Not just the purpose-driven life, but the, the promise-driven life. So when we look at promises, let's take a, a look at this very quickly. It's a declaration or assurance that the one will do a particular thing or that particular thing will happen. So a person who makes a promise to you, I want you to think about the, the promises people have made to you. Now don't get mad, don't get upset, and don't feel, oh shoot, they didn't keep their promise to me. But the, the person who makes a promise is assuring the person they're making the promise to that they're gonna do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen that they're promised, that they're promising will happen. Secondly, a promise is grounds for hope, an expectation or an assurance of eventual success. Can I just prophesy over every person in this, in this room? And all I'm gonna do is say what God once said over your life. And that is, you are going to have eventual and inevitable success in every area of your life. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. But watch this. With or without God, listen very carefully to what I'm about to tell you. With or without God, you have some kind of vision for your life. Everybody does. It's either by default or by design. Like some of you have hope and it'll never become reality because here's what you don't understand. Without God, things are impossible. That's what the Bible says. This is, our, this is what our philosophy of life is based on. It's a biblical worldview. So here's what this book says. With man, things are impossible. So when you look at your life and you look at your future and you look at your marriage and you look at your family and you look at your business and you look at where you wanna be in your life, with man, it's impossible. But here's also what this says. With God, would y'all finish it? All things are possible. Wow, what a great philosophy of life to have. With God, hey, who you with? I'm with God. So, but, but here's, the, here's the truth. As you look at your future with or without God, whatever future you see for yourself, you're gonna have to level up to that vision. You're gonna to have to be the one that says, I want that kind of woman, I want that kind of man. Well, what kind of woman or man are you that deserves that kind of woman or man? I want that kind of marriage. What kind of man or what kind of woman are you to make that marriage that you dream about happen? Yeah. 
If you want a great business or if you have a certain amount of figure in your mind or you want to be a millionaire or whatever it is, whatever it is, when you look at the future with or without God, there is a demand on you to level up. Now, let me tell you the power of a promise. The power of a promise is when I look at Sheila and I say, I want you to be the happiest woman in the world. Well, that's not just going to happen. By me saying, I want you to be the happiest woman in the world. Here's my promise. I'm going to do everything I can to make you the happiest woman in the world. Not comparing it to it, it, your life to anybody else's, but, but I'm, the prom, I'm the one making the promise. It's my desire that she be the happiest woman in the world. Why would you be married to somebody that you wouldn't want them to be the happiest person in the world because they're with you? So what does that put a demand on? You. Like if I want that for you, then I've got to be that for you. Somebody say amen, come on. You see, so this is real simple stuff, but it's profound in the sense of promise-driven life. What does that mean? So you've heard the scripture. We've said it all year. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen. Now listen, this is an important part. To the glory of God. Would you read those last two words? Through us. Wow. So all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen. Oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. To the glory of God through us. The promises have to happen to us. Watch this. In us so they can happen through us. For the glory of God. So that's why we're talking about this. That's why we're gonna talk about it for the next few weeks. Now, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20 through 22 in the Message Bible, and I love this. I love the way the Message Bible says it. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Come on, y'all. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen, so be it. That's what that means. God, whatever your promises are, so be it. Everybody say, so be it. God's yes and our yes together. See, some of you, listen, this is the key right here. Some of you are saying no when God's saying yes. Our yes, God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident, God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. Wow. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. So I want you to really get this. You have a yes within you, so don't be a no person. Some of y'all are no people. You don't realize you're no people, but you're no people. And you know why you're no people? Because watch this, you filter everything not through this book, but you filter everything through your personality and your preferences. Really hear that. Mm. So, so, hey, y'all know my son, Josh? He's my son whom I'm well pleased. You've done such a great job, Josh, while I've been gone. Man, I'm telling you. Y'all don't see me, but when I'm not here and Josh is speaking, I'm standing up by the television going, yes, son, go, 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 go. That's good. I know they're not standing right now because they're like trying to figure it out in their brain, but I got it. And you're doing an amazing job. Go, 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 go. And he's up here breathing heavy. 
It's a hard message sometimes. Why? Because it has to come through that brilliant filter. When Josh was 10 years old, I said, I looked, I said, look at me, son. He looked at me, I said, you're smarter than me, but I'm your father. <laughs> so when I hear his brilliance, y'all, y'all just don't even, and we talk, he and I talk every day. Sometimes, Josh, for hours a day. And after you talk to me, you call your mother. We have long talks every day about everything beyond what most of you could even imagine. So now listen to this. You don't have great relationships without doing a lot of communicating. You don't like, you don't like not talk to your kids for like three weeks and go, I really like to be close to you. Or try that with your wife. The average woman speaks 25,000 words a day. The average man speaks 12,500. He's at about 36K after work. He comes home, he's already way over. She goes, how was your day? Is that, are you talking to me? No, no more words. No, anyway, so, so, so with Josh, when Josh was growing up, when Josh was growing up, this was his, you know how I have leadership ologies? This was his normal shipology. I'd be standing at the bottom of the stairs and I'd go, hey son, I'm gonna work out, you wanna work out with me? And he would say, nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm good. Hey Josh, we're gonna go to Hawaii tomorrow. Would you like to go? Nah, I'm good. It wouldn't matter what it was. It's the truth. Watch this now. Some of you are married to that. No. You don't do that? No. Hey, let's try that. No. And let me just tell you this. There is a yes within you. Come on, everybody. There, there is a, there is a, hey, hey. And, and, isn't it wonderful when you want something and somebody goes, yes. Everybody say yes. It's just a pretty word. Yes. No, it seems so dark. But anyway, God has put a yes on the inside of you. But watch this. If you don't know him and if you don't know his promises, it's hard to know what to say yes to. So that's where there's a lot of confusion for people. Now, now let, me, let me confess something to you. I'm pretty much a yes person. Except when it comes to Sheila wanting to try a new place to eat. Now, I know none of you deal with anything like this in your marriage, but she loves to try new places. Hey, let's go to this place. And I'm going, do they have queso? Y'all hear Josh talk about food. You have no idea. That's some of our conversations his whole life. I like cheese fries. Everything he likes, I like. Precious, on the other hand, Salad. Let's just talk about salad for a minute. Have you ever seen the type of lettuce that floats like a feather? I don't know what it's called, but when I put it in my mouth, I feel like I'm eating a feather. If the air conditioner comes on, it's going to blow. What's it called? What's it called? Krugula. Krugula is better. Arugula or something. Anyway, whatever it is, give me romaine. <laughs> that, that's, that's like salad. 
Carugula? I don't want Carugula. Anyway, so when she says, <laughs> when she says to me, hey, let's go try this place. Here's what I know most of the time. It's, it's girl food. It's carugula lettuce, it's stuff sprinkled, it's little portions. And if I say yes, I'm gonna be starving and have to have me a peanut butter and honey sandwich when I get home. So, but I'm getting better, aren't I? It's the truth. Am, am I getting better? I'm getting better. Listen, this, this may be the takeaway for many of you in this room today. Listen very carefully. Make sure that what you say no to is not based on your personality and your preference. Make sure that you're open to say yes to everything that God has for you. Everything, the great adventure of your marriage, the, the wonderful potential for your family. Don't be a no person. And seek for the rest of your life. When you meet a no person, just ask for their upline. So I guess there's somebody else I need to talk to. This happens to me all the time at airports and different places. So he says, no, we can't do that. I said, well, I appreciate that. Who's your, uh, who's your supervisor? Yeah, I, you see, I'm looking for a yes person. You can be that person right now if you'd like to. I don't need no, we can't do this. I need yes, we're open. These are real conversations that I have with people. So here's what I'm saying to you. Be that kind of person at your job. Be that kind of person in your marriage. Be that kind of person in your family because all the promises of God in Him are yes. Come on, and in Him, amen. All right, now listen. We're already at 12.30 and I'm gonna finish. Give me five minutes. Everybody say five minutes. Sheila, I'll stop in five minutes. Here we go. All God's promises are written in written form in his word, which is the only, everybody say only, only, authentic revelation of the divine mind and purpose the world has. This is the only, this is the only book that houses the promises of God. 31,173 verses, 2,461 verses in Psalms, 915 verses in Proverbs, 7,487 promises for you. There's over 30,000 promises in scripture, but there's 7,487 for you. That means one out of every four verses in the Bible refers to a promise from God. Somebody put an amen on that. Amen. So Romans 1, 2 says this, God promised this good news long ago through his prophets and his holy scriptures. So Romans 1, 3 through 6, put it on the screens, please. Here's the good news. Everybody say good news. Regarding his son, who as to the flesh, his human nature, was born a descendant of David to fulfill the covenant promises. So Jesus was born as a part of fulfilling the covenant promises of God to us. As to his divine nature, according to the spirit of holiness, was openly designated to be the Son of God with power in a triumphant and miraculous way, put an amen on that, by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. It is through Him that we have received grace. What does that mean right there? The power of God to do 
things God's way in every area of our life. So through Jesus and a relationship with Jesus, I've received grace. I've received the power of God to do my marriage God's way. The power of God to do my finances God's way. The power of God to do my business God's way. The power of God to do my life God's way. I've received that and our apostleship or leadership to promote obedience to the faith and make disciples for his name's sake among all the Gentiles. This is part of our mission. So I wanna close with this. Four reasons why God gives promises. And this is what we're gonna talk about over the next few weeks. Number one, God wants you to know who he is. Come on, y'all. He gives a promise. He gives a promise because he wants you to know who he is. When I stood and I put a ring on it and she put a ring on it, I stood at that altar and I made promises based on who I was. Not based on who she was, but I made promises based on who I was. When you make a promise, you're making a promise based on who you are. And then guess what you gotta do? You're making the promise because of a vision that you have. Now you first and foremost, not her, not him, you've gotta live up to your promise. Yeah, but he's not, no, 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 we're not talking about him. We're talking about whatever you promise to do, even when he doesn't do it, you do it. Yeah, but he didn't do it, she didn't, no, no, no. Your promises declare who you are. So God makes promises because he wants you to know who he is. Secondly, God wants you to know how important you are to him. Y'all look up here at me just a second. Can I just tell you something? Nobody ever has, nobody ever will love you like God does. He loves you. Thirdly, God wants the best for you and wants you to be the beneficiary of all the good things he has in store for you. This would be a good time to say, thank you, God. Come on, just thank you, God. Like, like God wants the best for you. Who, who in your life wants the best for you? If, you? if you can count more people than on one hand, you're a very, very blessed person. Because even just because you're married to somebody doesn't mean they want the best for you. They might want the best for themselves. But God wants the best for you and he wants you to be the beneficiary of all the good things he has in store for you. And then finally, and I close with this, God wants to be proven in your life so that he can prove himself through your life. Wow, wow. So can I just tell you something? We're on a journey for the next few weeks about this promise-driven life. And as we begin to unveil this and unpack this, uh, by the end of this series, Josh, my book will be ready, right? I'm gonna do a, a small book on 31 promises to live by. And it'll be a little book that you can get. Now listen to me. It'll give you 31 promises that you can say, you know what, these are my promises. But you, you can add any of the 7,487 you want to. I'm just picking some of the best to get into your spirit to say, this time I'll live the rest of my life. And every month of every day, you read that promise. You claim that promise. You speak that promise. And I promise you, God's promise will show up in your life. In Jesus' name. It's gonna be powerful. It's gonna be powerful. Hey, let's have a word of prayer. If you would just bow your heads for a second. We're just about through. Just bow your heads. We're almost through. Holy Spirit, I invite your presence right now to do what only you can do in the hearts of every person that's here and every person that's watching. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here and you say, Keith, here's what I know. I'm not living in the promises of God because I know I'm not right with God. 
I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to point you out. I'm just here to tell you, you have the opportunity to be the beneficiary of every promise that God has for you. But if you don't allow God to truly be God in your life, it just doesn't work. You're just left to yourself. We all are. And if you're here and you say, I know my life is not right. I, I know it's not where I need to be with God and I want to get it right. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand and nobody look around. I'm just going to pray for you today right where you are. But if you're here and you say, I want to get right. I want to live the promise-driven life. I want the promises of God to work in my life. If that's you, on three, slip up your hand. One, two, three, come on. All over this place, just slip it up. That's it, that's it, that's it. Anybody else? I'm just looking around. All the way in the bowl, I'm just looking around. You can put your hands down. Now I'm going to invite every person here, whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to pray this prayer with me because the Bible says, with your mouth confession is made and with your heart you believe unto righteousness. Here's what that means. You confess it with your mouth, but then with your heart you choose to believe this. So say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Those sins in my life that have blocked the promises of God for my life. So Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of every area of my life, my past, my present, and my future. I give you my life. I want your promises. I want the promise-driven life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give those people that prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time, a big hand, amen? Now here's, if you made a new decision for God, I want you to take one more step with me. Listen very carefully, we're almost through. But just text Jesus, just take this step. We're not gonna ride our bikes to your house. We're not gonna give you bread. We're not gonna, you know, try to get you to read a pamphlet. We're not gonna do it. We're just gonna encourage you. So text that, say, hey, I made a new decision for Jesus. Do it right now. We want to help you in your journey and your walk with God. And again, we're not going to bug you. We just want to help you. We want, we want to help you become everything God's created you to be, to reach your full God-given potential. Remember, to develop ultimately a philosophy of life based on a biblical worldview so that your life wins and doesn't lose. Come on, put an amen on that. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of our latest episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. That way, you know when a new episode has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, visit elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.